Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the merciful. Mercy has two expressions. There's the negative expression, and then there's a positive expression. When you think about mercy, usually we think of it in a negative sense. And that is, when we receive mercy, it means that we have done something wrong, but then we don't get punished for it. That's what we don't get what we deserve. Mercy is withholding punishment. Psalm 103, verse 10. He has not dealt with us after our sins. That's what mercy is. He has not dealt with us after our sin, which means that we sin, but God did not repay us according to our sin, nor rewarded us according to our iniquity. God has mercy on us. We sin, but God did not reward us or not pay us according to our sin because he is merciful. And you see what the problem is, right? When you do something wrong and you don't get punished for it, you don't think what you did is wrong. So you continue to do the same thing. So how do you get over this issue? How do you know that God is merciful to you instead of thinking that you didn't do anything wrong? Mercy is forgiveness for wrongdoings. The consequences of our sin, our iniquity, still has to be dealt with. When you sin, your sin does not go into thin air and then disappear. Your sin goes somewhere. And this is how we come to know that what you have done is wrong because you know the consequences of our sin fall on someone. Because if you did not do anything wrong, then no one get hurt. But because you've done something wrong, we have done something wrong, someone get hurt. But sometimes we don't know who because we don't pay attention. Because of our sin, someone get hurt. That's how you know what you have done is wrong. But he did not punish us because we have done something wrong. So who did he punish instead? We are born in sin. You said you have no sin? Well, you're wrong. Everyone sin. David, in his famous Psalm 51, he said, I was born in iniquity. We are born in sin. We are shaped in iniquity. Our heart is sick, Jeremiah said. Our heart is sick. So if our heart is sick, whatever you think that is best is wrong. Just like your hand is tainted, whatever you touch, it's just like my face yesterday. It doesn't matter you know, what I look like. When I look in the mirror, all I see is whipped cream. Well, actually, I couldn't see because it's all over my eye. I couldn't see anything, even if I try. That's what sin does. When, when your eyes are tainted or your heart is tainted, there's no capacity for you to do anything right. Our mind is depraved. In Romans chapter 1, verse 28, God gave them over to the depravity of your mind. And think about it. Well, I don't know if you can think about it. If your mind is depraved, you can't think. And in Proverbs, it said, We pursue evil continually. If it's not by the mercy of God, we run after evil and wickedness. That's our human nature. 
So why did God show us mercy instead of wrath? Imagine if you have a brother or a sister. Imagine if you have a father or mother who's like that. Would you want to have mercy on them? Would you want to forgive them? If you have, let's say, if you have a sibling who always hurt you, say bad things about you, and talk untruthful things about you, do you want to forgive that person? Do you want to have mercy on that person like every single moment you see them or not see them? We know that this is some, something that we cannot do. This is something that only God can do. Human, when someone wrongs us, the best thing we can do is we avoid them. We put them out of our minds. We don't want to deal with them anymore. They are to us completely dead. That's how we deal, the best way we deal with them. The worst way we deal with them is that we do worse to them than what they have done to us. But God is different. And I want to share with you his nature. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 8. In a little wrath, I hid my face from thee for a moment. But with everlasting kindness, I will have mercy on thee, saith the Lord, thy Redeemer. In a little wrath, God has put us in a place just a little bit so that we recognize that we are sinful. Just in a little darkness that we know that we are walking and living in the dark. Just a tiny little bit so that we know. And then he said, but everlasting kindness for all eternity. He shows us his everlasting kindness. It means that his mercy is forever, but his wrath is but a moment. And here is the key. Saith the Lord thy Redeemer. There's something that God will do. You see, mercy is not just words. Mercy is word become flesh and act between us, in us, through us, and to all eternity. That's what mercy is. Forgiveness is a thought or a word that you say to someone. But mercy is an act. Mercy is an act that you perform on behalf or for someone. That's what mercy is. And God said, I will redeem you. This is how mercy comes to us. Mercy comes to us in the form of a word that God says when God promised to us a redeemer. And that word became flesh and dwelt among us in the form of Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus Christ became the incarnate word, the promise that God says, I love you. That love transformed, take on human form and dwell among us. And he touched us. And he said, it's me, it's your mercy, it's your Redeemer. I'm here to save you. I'm here to take that thing that had caused God so grieve. In a little wrath, I hid my face from thee for a moment, but with everlasting kindness, I will have mercy on thee, saith the Lord, thy Redeemer. God's essence, God's attributes and essence is merciful. He cannot do opposite from who he is. He is merciful, so he will have mercy on you. But also, God's essence is justice. He is just. Sin and iniquity cannot just go into thin air and disappear. It has to go somewhere. And in the Old Testament, what you see is that there is a lamb that's sacrificed. And the sin of the people, when the priest lay his hand on the sacrificial lamb, the sin of the people goes onto the lamb in the Old Testament. The lamb is then sacrificed, killed. The death of the lamb pays for the sin of the people that put their sin on the lamb. That's where your sin goes in the Old Testament. We don't do that anymore. All sin against God deserve eternal punishment. 
When you transgress against an infinite God, then you have to pay infinitely. When you transgress against a human being, you kill someone, then the way that you repay for killing someone is your own death. You see the, the justice in that, because both lives end. But when you sin against God, even your death is insufficient, because God is infinite. So how can you repay an infinite debt? Well, we die, and then we go into eternal destruction for all eternity. And still, you cannot pay that debt. So it is important to understand God made a way. In the Old Testament, he made a lamb. And even though it's cruel to kill a lamb, something has to die. And for our sin, the same way. For you to live, someone has to die. Because of our sin, the consequence of our sin is death. Instead of pouring out his anger and wrath on us as we deserved, instead God appointed to us to obtain salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. God has appointed our salvation, meaning there is someone God selected, God elected to take our place. That person will be punished instead of us. That person will be killed instead of us. God delights in loving us when we are most unlovable. That's why he does this. He has mercy on us because he loves us. He has mercy on us not because he hates his son and that his son has to die, but he delights in us and he loves us. Sacrifice is the ultimate form of love. He sacrificed his son for us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. For he hath made him, Jesus Christ, to be sin for us who knew no sin. Jesus Christ is perfect. He is sinless. There's nothing that he has done violated any law of God. But God made him sin. So between me, a sinner, and Christ, sinless, my sin is then put on him because he had no sin. Now, if Jesus Christ had sin, my sin cannot be put on him because he also has his sin. But because he's sinless, he can take all of our sin and our iniquity is on him who knew no sin. Not only he did not sin, he did not know how to sin. That we might be. So when our sin, when your wrongdoings are put on someone else, then you are guiltless. You are guiltless. That's mercy. You are guiltless. But there's an action that, that accompanies mercy. Someone has to do that. Someone has to take your sin and die with it. And that's the Lamb of God. That's Jesus Christ. Jesus became the object of God's wrath. God's wrath was poured on his son because God is righteous. If he does not punish for sin, then sin is of no importance to God, which means that you can continue to sin and it should not violate God. But God cannot tolerate sin. Sin has to be abolished. And so how can sin be abolished? If we are sinners and all we do is sin, then how can God get rid of sin? He has to take the sin and put it on someone and that person needs to be sacrificed, needs to die so that the sin is no more. Jesus became the one who carried our sin to the cross. That's where sin go to die, is on the cross. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Imagine this, you've done something wrong. You didn't know that you've done something wrong. Let's say you didn't know it, but someone else knew what you did wrong and pay for your crime, but you never knew that was your fault. 
And that person is then prosecuted, trial, convicted, and then sentenced to death. And then you look on at the person, you scorn him, and you say, you must have done something wrong. But you didn't know that he paid the penalty for your sin. That's what this passage is about. Unknowingly, we did not know that he took our sin. We did not know that he died for us. But yet, we look at him and we mocked him. That's the negative aspect. Here's the positive. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. And this is something that we might not think about mercy when we think about this, but mercy also has a positive aspect. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and the forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. When we look at Jesus Christ on that cross, when we see him crucified, we don't know that it was for us. Now you know. You've come to church, you've listened to messages, and you know that his death on the cross is for you. For what purpose? For the purpose of turning you back to God. For the purpose of you being cognizant. For the purpose of you, be, you understand that person, that man on the cross, did not die for his sin. He died for my sin, for your sin. That is what the gospel is. The gospel is to tell you and to show you that that man on the cross paid for your sin. Do you understand that? And when we understand that, then we have to come to a point where we say, oh my God, why? Why is that man has to die for me? Shouldn't I be on that cross? So why did he die for me? We can despise Christ on the cross. We can reject this Christianity thing. We can put it all aside and say, well, that's not for me. But the reality is, the Lord Jesus Christ died for your sin and for my sin. How can you look at that cross? How can you turn away from that and say, I don't want to have anything to do with this. He died for you. He died for me. Mercy is expressed positively through the death of Jesus Christ. That's how mercy is expressed. Jesus did something we cannot do, and that is to die once and for all for my sin. I cannot do that. He did that for me. Humanity cannot fathom the depth of God's mercy because we, our minds, our heart, our eyes are depraved. We are completely unable to recognize the mercy and the goodness of God until God comes to us. There has to be an event of revelation that happens in your heart. That God comes and then now there is revelation. There's understanding of the work of the cross of Jesus Christ. That has to happen. That's what we call grace. Grace is when God comes and opens up our minds. And when we look at the cross, we see Jesus Christ. And not just a figure of some historical event. That's the Lord. Has that happened to you? Do you look at that cross and do you see the mercy of God hung on that cross? Or you simply see a man, a good man, a good teacher? That event of revelation has not happened to you. God's mercy has been done, but God's grace has not been granted to you. And because of God's mercy and because of this, our inability to understand this, some think that they have no sin, that they are fine, that they have not done anything wrong. But that's so far from the truth. It is because God has patience, not wanting to destroy us and giving us time to repent and to return to God. 
because the sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily. Solomon said, therefore, the heart of the Son of Man is fully set in them to do evil. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 11. Lightning bolt does not come from heaven the minute that you violated God. You think that you have done nothing wrong. We've all seen those images, right? Someone did something terrible, and then they're like looking up at heaven, and lightning bolt didn't shoot out. Like, oh, that must be okay. Well, the scripture tells you that because the judgment of God, because God's mercy has not executed yet, we think that we are okay. And so our heart is set in us to continue to do evil. The wickedness of our nature causes us to abandon, cause me and all those who look at the cross and have this event of revelation to realize that we have no hope in ourselves. There is no hope in ourselves for any goodness. God must save us or we would destroy ourselves. The Apostle Paul said, take heed that you devour yourself. That's in our nature. We fight and quarrel. We hate each other. We want things that others want. And we think it's okay because there's no judgment come yet. But the fact that no judgment come because of God's infinite mercy and patience with us. The goodness and patience and long-suffering of God are to steer us toward the cross, toward Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 17, verse 30. And the times of this ignorance, the time of ignorance, the time that we look at the cross and see just a man and not the one who paid for our sin. And the times of this ignorance, God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Now, when you look at the cross, now when the gospel is preached and when you heard of it, even though you don't understand it yet, but you know, you have heard, this is the scripture. You know this man who was crucified on the cross was crucified because of our sin, because of our transgressions. He died for my sin, for your sin. Now, you know. Now, you cannot claim ignorance because when you stand before God in that final day, you cannot say, well, I didn't know that Jesus Christ died for my sin. You heard it here. If this is the first time you hear it, now you know. Now you cannot become ignorant because the time of ignorance is no longer here. The gospel is now preached. The time of the church age is no longer the time of ignorance. You know that Jesus Christ died for your sin. Now it is time to repent. Now is the time to turn back to God. You see, when you go to the court after the sentence is passed and you can go to the judge and try to get your sentence reduced, Maybe the judge will reduce your sentence. Maybe. Maybe not. But there's a chance. Well, God is not that kind of judge. God is a merciful judge. He does not give mercy after the judgment. He gives mercy before the judgment. And therefore, he says, now is the time to come and ask and beg for mercy before the judgment day. Because when judgment comes, there is no mercy. So now is the time to ask for mercy and turn your life around. Because once you go to prison, there is no appeal in God's hell. that You cannot get out of hell. Remember the story of Lazarus and the rich man? He cannot come back. No one can come back. When you enter into eternity, you cannot come back in the land of the living. So now is the time to repent. You can, don't think that when you stand before God and you say, God, have mercy on me now. That does not happen. In the, time, in the court of God. Mercy happens today, right now. Now is a time of grace. Now you can turn back to God. Now you can repent. Because Jesus Christ 
is now offered to you. The salvation through Jesus Christ is offered to you, and God calls you to return and repent to God. Harden not your heart, Hebrews says, as in times of old. Return to the Lord, repent, repent, and receive forgiveness, and that you will never have to appear before the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. That's how you get mercy. You get it before you come to the judge. You never have to come to the judge if you repent and receive mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the merciful. Those who are in Christ by nature are merciful. Merciful is not an act. Merciful is a person. It is a person who is merciful, then the act of that person is merciful. If a person who is wicked, they can do merciful things, but that is not mercy. Mercy comes from someone who is merciful. Those who have been born again have been born into the mercy of God. We've been, our constitution, our makeup is God's mercy. God used mercy to form us, to shape us, and we become merciful because we've been shaped in mercy. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. We have been shaped in mercy because we've been born again. And when we've been born again, we now have a divine nature. God is merciful. So when you are born of God, you are merciful. You are merciful by nature, not because of the things that we do. The Lord is the only begotten Son of God. He receives the Father's mercy and God of all comfort. We are partakers of the same divine nature that Jesus Christ is of. Jesus is merciful by nature, and all those who are born in him are merciful by nature. You know, there are those that are kind by nature, and there are, then there are those who act sometimes kindly. You can tell the difference. The, the merciful are the same. There are those who might act mercifully, but there are some who by nature are merciful. There are tyrants who act mercifully, but by nature they are still tyrants. Blessed are the merciful. Merciful is a character trait. It's our constitution. When we are born again, you are merciful. When someone do you wrong, by nature, you want to harm them again. That is our human nature. But when you have a spiritual nature, and if it's growing and it's active in you, when someone wrongs you, there's a limit in which you don't cross. You have mercy on them by nature, even though you don't say anything. Merciful is the quality that's inherent in the character, not merely an outward act. By divine nature, the merciful deals benevolently with those who harm them and others. When you see someone who is hurting, you might have an inclination to run to the person and help, but some of us, we don't. Now, that's, that's a discrepancy between the desire of the heart and the willingness or the fear that overrides that. The merciful are the ones who is not hindered by their fears. The merciful by nature will stop, will help, will share. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 16. Howbeit, for this cause I obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for the pattern to them which would hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. 
Paul tells Timothy that because I've obtained mercy, you see me, my conduct, and my life, how I have shown mercy to others. That's what mercy looks like. You see, we cannot see mercy. We can see those who have mercy, but we cannot see mercy itself. So when you see Jesus Christ, that is the embodiment of mercy. When people call out to him, he turned and he touched them. That's mercy. He goes to people who are in need and he died for us. And the Apostle Paul says, look at me. Look at my life. This is the pattern. There's a pattern of those who have mercy. They act a certain way. You can see it. There's a pattern in their behavior. Mercy is poured into us by Jesus Christ, the vessel of God's mercy. He emptied himself because he came to save us. So that because he emptied himself out, our sin is poured into this new empty vessel. That's mercy. Because, you know what? Mercy has a cost. You want to be merciful. If you are merciful, merciful will cost you. Not many are merciful. Because not many want to pay the price to be mercy. Mercy has a price. And it's a high price. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. When you are merciful, your mercy goes from you. And when you dispense mercy, mercy goes from you. You become dry. You become empty when you show kindness, when you show mercy. It takes something from you. When you don't respond in kind, it takes something from you. When someone hurt you and you forgive and you show them mercy, it costs you. It hurts. That's why Jesus says, blessed are the merciful. But they will then obtain mercy, but they will receive mercy. Think about this, the parable that the ungrateful servant, the master has shown mercy to him, and then he turned around and treated wickedly toward his friend. There's no mercy. You can receive mercy from God, but not act mercifully, because mercy is not an act. Mercy has to, be, has to change us. And God's mercy is his time and his patience with us so that we would return. God would change us and transform us and cause us to be born again in the mercy of God. And now we are merciful. But then when you act mercifully because you are merciful, then you empty yourself out. It takes mercy to build God's kingdom because God's kingdom is the kingdom of mercy. It's the kingdom of love. It's not the kingdom of an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. God's kingdom is the kingdom of mercy, of someone who's willing to do all things for everyone else while never get anything in return. That's mercy. That's the kingdom of God. When everyone in that kingdom is willingly humble themselves down, empty themselves out to serve others without expecting anything in return. That's the kingdom of God. That's the kingdom I want to be in. But for me to be in that kingdom, I have to have that character. That trait has to be in every soul in the kingdom of God. Would you like to be there? Would you like to be among people who are loving, who are merciful, who are kind? That's the kingdom of God. But mercy cost Jesus Christ his life. Mercy cost him his life. Mercy cost him his family. Mercy cost him his friendship. Mercy cost him everything. Mercy costs. It's not free. It's not cheap. It's costly. Are you willing to pay the price? To receive mercy, someone else needs to pay. For someone else to receive mercy, you have to pay. Are you willing to pay? Because that's what mercy is. 
mercy is you are paying for someone else. I stand in line one day, and when it's time for me to order, and I just usually just order a cup of coffee, $2.45, and the barista says, do you want to order something more? No, they just want coffee. Did you want two cup of coffee instead? I, I don't get it. Why? I just want coffee. Oh, because the person in front of you just pay for whatever you want to get. I don't know who that person is. Uh, it's, it's an illustration. Mercy is someone who expects nothing in return, but needs to spend for someone else. Mercy is when the Samaritan saw someone who is injured, pay for everything, then disappear. Well, maybe if there's cost more, he will return and pay the rest of it. The person who's injured never needs to know who this person is. That's what mercy is. Luke chapter 6, verse 35. But love ye your enemies, and do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. That's what mercy is. Love your enemies. Expect nothing in return. Be kind to the unthankful and to the evil. It's hard. None of us can do it. But if Christ be in you, then you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. God humble himself and be made into the likeness of us so that he can be and show us to be merciful. And in the end, he says, love one another. Be merciful to one another. Just as I have loved you, so you love each other. Embrace each other. Treat each other with mercy and kindness. Because Christ in us, doing this through us. Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the mercy and the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, has bestowed on us unspeakable love and grace and mercy. Lord, in this time of, of our relative freedom and peace and prosperity, Lord, I pray that we would be drawn by your Spirit back to you in repentance and to look upon that cross and see the Lord Jesus Christ who paid for us the penalty that we deserve. Lord, may this gospel be our song. May this gospel be our hymn that as we live our lives, in accordance to your sacrifice and your mercy, may we be merciful because we've been born again in your mercy. And may we be thankful and may we be loving. Lord, and may we ascribe to those who wrong us and hurt us love, forgiveness, instead of hatred and anger and resentment. Lord, may you raise up a church that our arms may be held wide open for all who would come and seek after your mercy and your grace, for you are a merciful God. And we thank you that you have called us to be merciful because you are merciful and you are loving and you are kind and you are patient. Help each one of us to be like you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.